Hello, welcome. Thanks for clicking the button today and being here with us. Yep. Uh, so I am very excited for today. I'm going to be doing the sermon and um, it's it's going to be about kingdom culture all over again. Um, <laughs> so, so our church just got done uh, tying up the kingdom culture series, but I don't think I'm done yet. And so, no, um, so he's back. He's yeah, I just the topic. Yeah. And so I. I'm 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 pretty excited to share the things that I've been processing and and thinking about and things like that. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Yes, and just for you to continue to be connected with everything that is going on here at our church, go explore our app. Just click around and navigate and you're going to see what's going on. So, let's enjoy this message. Here we go. All right. So, I was talking to Pastor Allen just the other day, and I was telling him I'm, I'm like feeling this um, this excitement. I feel invigorated. I feel hopeful. I feel challenged um, as far as like being a part of the church and the part that I am to play in it. Um, it's like this thing has been born uh, deep down. Uh, that feels challenging and good and beautiful and hopeful. And I think it's coming from the sermon series that, that our church just got done doing on kingdom culture and the sermon that Jesus gave on a hillside as uh, he, he oversaw this group of people. I mean, like, I've, I've just been been thinking about, so if the things that he cares about and the things that he's saying, if, if they're, they're actually true, and these, are, these things are the heartbeat of God and the things that God cares about, and how do I shift the things that I care about and the things that, that I'm doing and that I'm engaging and the people, I mean, just so many things. And um, I, think, I think like there's this vibrancy that I feel uh, that I haven't had in a very long time. And Pastor Allen, uh, during his previous sermon, he kind of, you know, cracked this joke about his sermon being the end. And he said, I feel tempted to do it all over again. And at that point, I thought, I think I am going to do it all over again. Like, I have this sermon that I feel like if I'm uh, kind of balling it up and saying there's a vibrancy I feel and it's inspired by the things that I've been challenged by and that I've, I've heard throughout this sermon series that Jesus, he actually packaged it up and says, here's the heart of God for, 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 for the kingdom and the people of the earth and for my church. And, and then I heard that. And then at the end, I come to this place of like, man, I see Jesus from this posture that I have not seen him before. And, and you get that at the end. Uh, you kind of come to this place at the end that, that I thought, if man, if I saw that posture from the beginning instead of at the end, how, how am I going to hear this whole, this whole sermon from God's heart? And so um, sometimes at the end of a good book, there's the, the up epilogue. And at the epilogue part, it's like, oh, thank God this book has not come to the end. In fact, there's this personal heartbeat by the author that's kind of just sharing about the book. And, the, and I, I kind of like feel 
this desire for the epilogue and the conversation to, to happen because it seems that this sermon isn't something just to be heard. It's something to participate in. It isn't um, so something that the crowd heard and said, hey, he had some good points. I'm going to go home and continue to do the thing I'm going to do. It, this, this sermon, it was built so that people heard it and they became it. It was a participatory, I'm going to be the sermon. I'm going to like, there's this different heartbeat that if someone heard God speak, how could you be the same person? You can't like from just a simple perspective. If someone encounters God, how can they be the same? And then I begin to think there's tons of people who think they've encountered God and they're the same. So have we actually encounter God. And then I feel like in this sermon series, I have encountered God. I've heard the heart of God and I feel like I'm a different person at the end of it. And so what would it be like to engage and participate in the things that I've heard and to become it and actually become the person who gives the sermon? Well, the poetry of that is I actually am kind of giving the sermon, um, but it's coming from this place. And I'm, I'm, I'm just dying to pick apart how it, it caused the impact. I mean, I, I think that culture and then being a part of culture had been set up to hear this sermon series because it was coming at the end of a, a quarantine time period. And during our time in quarantine, there were some, some huge things that happened. Um, people had to be by themselves. Uh, the idea that, that people could um, go out and sit side by side couldn't even happen. You had to have the social distancing thing and, and people had been separated. There is this desire um, that, that, that I have, um, and I'm, I'm sure there are other people too, and there's a value that, that people have, especially in the church, um, that I was having a very difficult time exploring how does the church do communion? Um, how, and it's this like central tenet that the church has, that people come around the table, they break bread, they share the cup, and we proclaim <laughs> that Jesus has conquered death. And it's his body that was broken for us and his blood that was spilled for us. And, and it's something that for a long, long, long time, people came together to do this tangible act. And so during the time of quarantine, I was, I mean, I actually, I was really having a hard time of like, people aren't able to have communion. They can't break the bread and hand it to someone. They can't pour the juice or the cup and hand it to someone and say, Jesus' blood spilled for you. You know, like, and, and I understand like the average person isn't thinking about these things and pulling out their hair, but I had been because it's bigger than that to me because 
the poetry of it all is the physical body of Christ and proclaiming it. It's, it's the hands and feet of Jesus and being it. And it's this idea of participating in the gospel itself. And how can I do it if I'm by myself? Like, and it was hard. And the sermon series, Kingdom Culture, came on the heels of that. And, and there was something about the posture of Jesus during this sermon. Because the sermon is all about participating in the gospel. And I think before I thought I understood how it was supposed to be, and I understood as far as the head perspective of the things that I cared about. And I, I understood the church and I understood from a head perspective, but it was like Jesus came and told us to take a seat because he had something to show us. And he did it from a sitting down posture himself. In a time that I felt kind of like chaos ensued and I was separated from everyone, including him. It was like he was bringing us near. The posture of Jesus during this sermon, it comes from a place of heartbeat. And, and that's the thing that Pastor Allen talked about during this past sermon. Um, it was the final paragraph of chapter seven. Here it is. I'm going to pull it out just very quickly quickly so all of us can hear this. And so I got inspired for this whole sermon by this final paragraph. Here it is. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So that's it. I heard this though, and I thought, Okay, here's, here's God giving a sermon. He gets done. And, and there are some, some uh, uh, scholars who say, and the crowds heard this and they applauded because he spoke as if he had authority over these things. And in contrast to those who taught the Torah. And I'm gonna pause just, a bit. And here's the thing that kind of like shown. It was how Jesus talked during his sermon. He talked human. He didn't talk in pharisaical vocabulary. Because I would say typically someone who has the authority over something, they typically talk in terms that I don't understand. And I'll say, oh, he was the expert. I, I just didn't get that. And um, and in terms of that, the Pharisees and Sadducees, part of it would say they're the experts because they spend the time up here trying to convey everything up here so that people understand the things they can and can't do, yada, yada. And this whole sermon that Jesus gave, he talked in human. He, he talked in heartbeat. He, he talked in things that aren't too complex. Like there is not a thing 
in chapter five, six, and seven that someone is going to say, yeah, I don't really get it. It's, it's so common. It's so, I see you. It's so, I understand the place you are. It's, there's grace for you. There's, it's not that hard. It's, there's compassion. There's, and, and so like, I think that by the end of chapter seven, these people gave Jesus the credibility of the authority because they felt seen. I mean, like they, it's like, he knows us. He was talking to us. He saw us where we are now compared to the Pharisees who speak a temple vocabulary compared to the Sadducees who talk the holy Torah vocabulary that doesn't really apply to anything that's happening for the people sitting on the hillside. And so I think that's the posture I got captivated in. I got captivated in the posture that that. Jesus did not come and say, I'm going to preach the greatest sermon ever and I'm going to talk from here and hope you understand it. It's the heart inside of him talked to the heart inside of us and there was chemistry and a dance and compassion and beauty and forgiveness and grace and this idea that the whole thing was done out of this desire for of of. Jesus for his people to be at peace, that they didn't have to be at fear and experiencing chaos. From that posture, I thought, wow, what if I heard all of that through this sitting down posture of authority and grace and compassion and human heart vocabulary? And what would be different, especially coming on the heels of quarantine. Because at the heels of quarantine, I was like, how do I participate in anything the gospel has for me? Um, How do I care for the people in this city? How do I see other people? If I can't see other people and I can't even see myself, then you hear that Jesus says, sit down. I see you and I see the places you're in. So the sermon has these parts and there's about seven different parts that it's broken up into. And you're able to circle the different themes that are happening. It's very easy to do. If you have a Bible, it'll tell you these different themes. But um, how it's built and how Jesus does it, it is a a chiastic sermon. And in the center of the sermon is, is, is how Jesus tells us to pray. And at the beginning is the Beatitudes. And at the end, the There is the story of the sand, the person who builds their house on the sand and the person who builds their house on the solid rock. And and so how this sermon is built is the end should interpret the beginning and the beginning interprets the end. And then the things that that are inside, they 
they help interpret the other at the point of how Jesus teaches us to pray. And so they help interpret the other. So if the end interprets the beginning, then Pastor Allen's joke about, man, I just feel a desire to go back. We should, because it's crazy. Aha. So these people who build their house on the identity of Jesus at the end, like Pastor Allen's previous sermon, he just did. And if you haven't heard it, go back and hear it. Go back and hear the whole sermon series and come back today. Um, how how it, there are going to be storms that come, but the people who have built their house on this, on Jesus, they are going to stand. In the chiasm, in the interpretation of this sermon, it brings you to interpret the Beatitudes themselves as if he's saying, blessed are the people who have built their house on Jesus. <laughs> blessed are the people who are hurting but have built their house on Jesus. Blessed are those who are, who are sad and built their house on Jesus. What is happening towards the end is he is defining the story storms that happen. And the people at the beginning of the sermon that the Beatitudes are speaking to are the people experiencing the storm, but they've built their house on kingdom culture and Jesus. And that's the place that the contrasts are born. Blessed are ye, because the kingdom of God is here. Blessed are, and, and just, he's bringing up storm after storm after storm after storm that you can see it's like a hurricane hitting the house, hitting the house, hitting the house, hitting the house, and it stands. That's how the sermon begins, and it's how the sermon ends. It's painting a picture of these people who are experiencing great tragedy and pain, and they are human beings beings, experiencing human things, experiencing human chaos, but their house still stands. There's a great beauty in that, in the idea of seeing. Because the idea of, from the point A to the point B of this sermon is, by the time you get to the end, you see, oh, he saw me so that I can turn around and fulfill the chiasm and see others. Um, he was talking to me so that I can see you. And so apart from the chiasm, this sermon is half because it brings us to this point of these are the people, blessed are the people who have built their house on Jesus for they are going to experience Experience this, 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 but their house stands. You are blessed. Then he says something that speaks to a broken people. He says something that speaks to people who are experiencing pain and chaos, and it's about the salt. He, he compares people to salt and those who've experienced God to salt and those who have, have the things of God. And, and here it is. It's, it's brilliant because think about it. Like think about the things that you've experienced during this whole COVID thing. It broke us down. Here it is. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt 
loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's it. Honestly, that's how I felt. I, I'm, I'm at home. I'm, I'm doing church on a computer. I was the guy who would tell everyone, hey, f- find some bread at home, some juice at home, find totally anything that you can do. And But a big part of me was just like, man, this is a far cry from the body of Christ, blood of Christ, hands of Christ, feet of Christ, serving in communion and giving and taking and, oh, and this idea of how can the salt that doesn't taste salty anymore have any value at all? I was at this place and I feel like that is a common like feeling that, that culture comes to after just being hit hard over and over and over and over again. And that's how it feels. Like going in to fall at this point, it feels kind of like the storm just keeps coming. I want to throw up my hands and say, stop, there isn't anything else you can take. Um, it's brutal. And so so, so after this, this passage about the Beatitudes, Jesus goes into this place and talks about salt and saltiness. And if you don't have your saltiness, do you have anything to offer? And that's from a heart perspective. And a bunch of us feel like that. So to be honest, here's something that happened. I was struggling hard um, about how can someone have a desire to participate in the gospel or serve the body of Christ, blood of Christ, and just be held hostage at home. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to do the things that I am passionate about. And, um, and so I be- began to think about it a lot. I began to pray about it a lot. Like, God, tell me how to serve the city. Like, how do I serve the people in our church? How do I serve our city? How do I care for it? And um, so I was sitting at the table and then the, then I had something pop up. So as far as the phone goes, there was a pop-up that, um, and I, and at first, like I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, get that off my home screen. But then I thought it's kind of preposterous I think I'm going to do it. So the thing that that popped up had been the advertisement for DoorDash. And it said that um, something like sign up to be a DoorDash driver and serve good food to good people or something. And of course, I have a job, right? And I don't really care about the extra stuff, but I thought good food for good people. And who orders food? People that are hungry. And then who's g- going to order it? People in the city of Greeley. And I get to serve good food to good people. I know this is kind of out there, but it's kind of who I am. And it was during this time that I was just dying to do anything that could serve the body, serve people. And and so I filled out the application for DoorDash. And uh, it was so easy. And in a couple hours, 
I, I was there in the car and I had my phone on and I thought, well, here we go. And I hit the button to sign on. And, and it was like, it, it was hard. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this, you know? And, and so then someone p- popped up and it showed who they are, the place their food is going to come from. And I had to go pick up their food from Taco Bell. And I was like, okay, I'll go to Taco Bell. And so I grabbed this person's food from Taco Bell. And then on their thing, it says, here's you know, the person you're going to. And here's their address. And I put the Taco, bag, Taco Bell bag down in the passenger seat. And, and I began to drive to their house. So there isn't anything special about this at all, except if if someone has heard the sermon series called Kingdom Culture and the heart that Jesus has, there's everything special about this. Because in the passenger seat, there's people's tacos and I'm going to their house and I'm staring at their food going, I have time to pray for their family, their tacos, and they're going to be eating it. And this food's going to go inside their bodies. I get to pray for things that go inside people's bodies. I know. I know, I know, I know. Over the top, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is crazy. I know. Praise God, I am. Because I get to experience holy good things. And so I go to this person's house, drop off their Taco Bell bag, put it on their doorstep. It's like a prayer bomb because I like, man, I I went to town on that bag of tacos and I just sent him a text like, it had been a pleasure getting your tacos for you. Thank you for the honor. And I felt invigorated as if I just did something incredible. And DoorDash became something that was almost intoxicating. It was like the undercover pastor. I, I mean, like the food I've gotten to serve to people that, that were hungry, the prayers I got to pray, the opportunities I had to go to people's homes was crazy. And I felt kind of like the gospel got to shine through. I began to feel salty again. I began to feel like I I could offer this bit of, of goodness for these people who are afraid to go out, people who couldn't afford to go out, people, I mean, like everybody, like they were all there on the hillside. Like if you heard the sermon series, Kingdom Culture, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I got to participate in it. And it isn't anything brilliant or big or... I did DoorDash. I loved it. In the sermon that Jesus gave, after the part of being salty, he calls the people on the hillside a city on the hill or a town on the hill. Check this out. This is good. You are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. There is this this thing that is happening. So Jesus is talking to this group of people who have followed him to this hillside. And so I'm just going to try to paint you a picture here um, because the holy city is called the city on the hill. Okay. It's, it's, typically seen as it's built into a hillside. It is solid. It is the guy who built his house on the solid. Yeah. So that's the holy city. But but the group of people who have followed Jesus have followed him from the holy city up to an adjacent hillside that that, that probably has the same proportions. And so he's talking to these people on the hillside, on the hill. And then the people can see the holy city over here built on top of hill and typically called the city on the hill. And then over here, there's the Jordan. That's right over here. There it is. And then on the other side of the Jordan is the city of Jericho. And the place that the city of Jericho is built is on sand. And so picture this. So here I am, I'm, I'm hearing a sermon by Jesus and, and I can see the holy city over here. It's built on a solid foundation and it's high up, it's protected. And then there's the Jordan here and I'm on this adjacent hillside. And then you have the city of Jericho that's rubble and it's on sand in the desert. And Jesus says, you are a city on a hill as in the in-between place and comparing them to the holy city. And they actually have been called out as if the city itself is not the city on the hill, but you are the city on the hill who has put yourself on this firm foundation compared to that city over there who fell down, which was um, the identity was this had been a fortress, but its foundation had been on sand. Again, think about the chiastic poem here, how the guy who built his house on the solid foundation compared to on the sand, there is this physical juxtaposition that's happening that you can almost see the hands drawing these comparisons. And the thing that separates the two, the two homes, the two cities, the two fortresses is the Jordan. The Jordan goes in between the two. And since the beginning of Hebrew theology is a symbol of baptism, as if this is the thing that separates the two cities, the difference between the two, the foundations of the two. Over here, you have the sand. Over here, you have the castles and the foundations. And like, this is the place to build. And here you are. What is it going to be like to see 
yourself as the city on the hill. Because at this point in Jesus' sermon is the place that Jesus invites people to pray how he prays. And this is the like the top of the chiasm. It's saying, if you see all these things, if if you have been hit over and over and over again, and you aren't feeling so salty. If you are in this place, pray for the kingdom of heaven to come here. Pray that the holiness of God, that he, is, he brings his holiness down here. If you're in this place that you feel as if you are on the other side of baptism and that things are crumbling down, pray that the kingdom of God and that the things of heaven are the things of the earth. Pray these things. There comes a point in the sermon and the teaching of Jesus that he invites us to participate instead of just being spectators, instead of just building the house and hoping that it's going to stand. He invites us, check this out. He invites us to the hillside. There's a point that you get up and come and you come to the hillside and you get to see both of the cities and you get to point out there's a town down there that fell apart and there's a town over here that's awesome. There's the Jordan in between and the things that separated are the Jordan. There comes a point when you pray the vocabulary of the kingdom and you speak to human hearts that you aren't just hearing about the kingdom and you aren't just absorbing sermons about the gospel. You're becoming the kingdom and that you are giving the sermons about the gospel. And you're not someone who is teaching from the head as the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were. You're someone who's teaching from the heart because the prayers that you pray and the prayers that God pray are exact same prayer and people see you as someone who has been speaking in the authority of Jesus and that you actually see them in the place that they are. That's the thing that happens on the hillside. When people pray the prayers of God, and I think that's, that's the thing to circle here. When people pray the prayers of God and desire the things of God, people are praying the same prayers as God. It would be interesting to think, maybe if I am in the posture that Jesus had, And I pray from the posture that Jesus had, am I praying the heart of God? And if I'm praying the heart of God, is God praying the same heart? So if I'm saying, God, please help these poor people. So is he saying, KJ, please help these poor people. If if I'm saying, God, please help the hurricane victims that are homeless. And he's saying, oh, Christ community church, please help these hurricane 
victims that are homeless? Like, is he praying the same prayers? And if I'm saying, God, do something, and he's like, KJ, do something. Because there's this point in the prayers of God, especially if the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of earth and he's holy on earth as he is in heaven. There's this place that there isn't a separation between the two. And that's the thing we're going for, heaven crashing into earth. And the both of us are saying the same thing at the same time saying, may your kingdom come. And he's hoping you hear him as you're hoping he hears you. But it should be like the sound of thunder when they both collide together, causing the kingdom culture to shimmer and shake and be the thing that shines from the city on the hill. I continued to do uh, the DoorDash thing. And, um, and I began to... Oh, man, I began to go over the top. Um, so I had a couple times um, that I would pick up something and I would go to the people's house. So, so after I, 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 um, I would pick it up, like sometimes like things happened. Um, that got harder. Like sometimes people buy, I mean, like things from Dairy Queen and they order things from Dairy Queen, and they don't understand that someone's going to pick that up in like a half an hour. And Dairy Queen prepares it, and then then someone picks it up a half an hour after, and they don't do it again. And I have to like serve this like super old Dairy Queen thing to people. And so I started to think like that isn't okay. And so I would go to Dairy Queen or somebody else, and and they'd say here, and I'm going no. That, that isn't okay. I cannot give someone that. And so I'd have them do it again. And I would send them a text. And I said, hey, I got to such and such a place. It is super old food. So I'm having them do it again. And the, the person on the other end would be like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I'm like, yes, I'm here to serve you. Like I would do the thing. Like it would be over the top. I'm, I'm super honored to serve you or something like that. And so, so I got to Dairy Queen. We had this whole thing. I'm like, you have to do this again because this is not acceptable. And, and, and then I would text and I said, I am, I am hurrying over to your house as fast as I possibly can. Like, and I would text people. And, and so I would have these text converse during their DoorDash. And and then I would drop them off and I'll say, it was so fun getting these for you. And like, okay, thank you. I'm like, no, thank you. It was so awesome to serve you. I had someone like break down and cry because of she hadn't ever been like taken care of by someone. And just the fact that someone fought for her at Dairy Queen, that her food that she bought hadn't been old. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, I'm coming to this plot. Like, it doesn't have to be complex. Like, people are dying to be seen. People are dying to be fought for. People are, they're not hungry to be told, here's how I should be. They're hungry to be, show me I have value. If I pay for Dairy Queen, give me Dairy Queen. Like, there's something in it. I had this girl who... Who who had who had a f- 
friend who was suicidal and she was sending her food. How I found, found out the details behind it, I sent her a text. I said, hey, I'm picking up your food right now. I'll be there as fast as I can. And this person said, please hurry because I'm scared. And, like, and I'm like getting food and I'm talking to this person and, and I go over to her house. I have all this food. She answers the door. I say, hey, I was talking to so-and-so and I heard you're going through a hard time. I bring in the food and I sit at her table and the both of us eat the food and we talk to each other about the hard time she's going through. And that girl has begun coming to our church. DoorDash, these aren't great stories at all. And I, I just, these are tiny things that everyone is begging to be seen. What would it be like to ask the question, is this the best I can do from the hillside that Jesus has invited me on? If God is actually out there. Is this the best I can do? If the gospel actually is the greatest news ever, is this the best I can do? And it isn't about doing. This is about being. And there's something about being on the hillside and hearing God himself talk and see you and to come to the end of his sermon there's this way of being that you are invited into that says, I don't care the things you actually think or you believe or accept. I don't care about your theology. I don't care. What are you participating in? If you truly believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, have you become compassion? Have you become humble? Have you become kind? Have you become grace? Have you become kingdom culture? Have you become something to invite people into? Because there comes a point that you don't point at sermons. We become the sermons and we shine. This is the posture that I got excited about at the beginning here of this sermon that I was talking to Pastor Alan. I'm like, I feel invigorated because I don't have to point to things. I don't have to agree with things. I don't have to say I accept the gospel. It's like I've been invited to become it and to participate in grace itself. Our church has been going through the sermon series and the things that I'm talking about as far as kingdom culture and the grace of God and compassion of God and the posture of God and Jesus himself and this idea of becoming and the Jordan in between, the, the, how I feel is how our church feels. And there are things that are beginning to happen here that people are starting to tell the story stories of things that they are doing, the acts of compassion, the things they've seen in the city of Greeley that cause things to shimmer and participate and inspire. And there's a lot of really brilliant things beginning to happen inspired by hearing the sermon that Jesus gave. What would it be like 
to begin to ask the question of how do I begin to be the sermons that I've heard? How do I begin this journey of participating in the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do I be the city on the hill, the salt that has profound saltiness, great calling, incredible purpose, and a fire that is burning inside of our bellies that just has to come out? What would that be like? Lord, we thank you for the sermons that you inspire us to be, the prayers that you inspire us to pray, the gifts that you have given us to give away. Jesus, thank you that your gospel is all about participating in the things that you are doing. I pray for all of us in the places we are that you bring ideas into our heads, hopes into our hearts, and, and truly like this, this, this like fire that says, I have to do something. God, we thank you that you are here in all the diversity of places that this is being heard and that you invite us into great things that bear great fruit and has great hope and offers food, good food for hungry people. In Christ I pray, amen. All right. So, Hi. hey. Man, I'm I'm kind of happy it's it's a bit over. I was like bawling and <laughs> snot dripping and it was like this it like It wouldn't be you if it whoa. wasn't that. <laughs> so it's like it's time to go to bed. So, oh, how are you? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see very convicted. <laughs> no. I you know, so here's something I was thinking when you were preaching is why is it so easy for us to default to I just want to learn the message rather than become it because it's so much easier to sit in this posture of let's see what I'm going to learn today rather than how is this going to transform who I am? How is this going to move me? You know, so the whole time you're preaching, I was like, oh, no, this <laughs> this is going to have to shift things here in me. It's not comfortable. It's going to take movement. It's going to take me out of this inertia, you know, so it's like. Not that I'm complaining, like it's that no. that feeling of, wow, I can't just sit back and listen to this one. Yeah, and it isn't like about the sermon at all. It's like, it's if someone encounters the heart of God, how can they be the same? Right. It's like, and I think I'm in that spot of like, if I have seen the heart of God, how can I possibly be the same? And so the idea that this sermon series is, kind of over. I was like, no, wait, like <laughs> I haven't become yet. I have not digested. I haven't shared. I haven't. Right. I need space. Yeah. I help me. It was like that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. No, but it's yeah. just because it's so 
much easier for us to kind of find a comfortable place and, and just hear about things. But that's what you're, when you're talking about, well, you're kind of losing the saltiness. And then when you were sharing your DoorDash story and you said, I felt invigorated and that feeling of, wow, I feel salty again. And how amazing that feels. And it might be uncomfortable at first. You actually have to take a step. But then when you feel like, wow, look what's happening. And I was thinking about what God does when you make yourself available. Like yeah. it didn't take much. He's like, well, okay, I'll do something. And then he's like, all right, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, let's do something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the, the big thing there is that it isn't something huge uh i think people are prepared to do huge things it's, it's like they're built like yeah god i want to do huge things i'm prepared to do huge things but 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 i think there's like a ton of things in the kingdom that like god's saying but are you prepared to do something tiny are you prepared to do something small go That's pick so up true. those tacos and drop them off on their doorstep here's the deal it's humbling okay like that's the other side. I'm like, I, I, I hope people don't see me. Like, I, I thought about that. Like, I hope they don't see me doing DoorDash. I hope they don't see. And, and it was just like this, like, ooh, who am I? Like, and the, but, but by doing that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm doing the thing I was built to do. Mm-hmm. And, but it isn't about serving those tacos. It, it was the poetry of right. everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I'm just reflecting here on uh, through your message, just the, like you're talking about the agreement, praying what God is praying and, you know, and how does that happen? And, and, you know, I'm thinking back at times that maybe I made myself available and then something huge happened but I wouldn't have thought so comparatively yeah. to your example that something so big would have come out of this, but making yourself a- available to to care about what Jesus I love that first line that you opened up with it. If, if you care about what Jesus cares about, you know, and I was thinking about what what am I caring about today? What's in my mind? You know, am I praying God's prayers, am I caring about the things that he cares about? Yeah, it's fun because, I mean, it (laughs) truly is about participation. And if I say I'm a son of God and I'm in God's family, how do I participate as a son of God? How do I participate in God's family? There's a bunch of us who take on the identity but we don't take on the identity. We just, mm. here's who I am. This is who I am. Wow. Then show it. Parti- like the gift is the participation because you get to hold grace and compassion and this posture of check out the birds of the air. Everything's going to be like you get to give the sermon. Yeah. And it's like the gift of participation. And I think like something I, I just got really amped about is like, man, if I am having 
these incredible holy times doing DoorDash, if the people in our congregation or the people who call themselves daughters and sons of God could just see what they're doing through the like heartbeat of participation in the gospel, the service of people, the, sh- the, the, the hill, you know, separation of the Jordan and Jericho and Jerusalem. Like right. if you could just see yourself. Yeah. Everything we did. And I got really invigorated about the church. Like I, I just did. And yeah. And, that's that's I kind of felt like I can't go forward. I can't go into this joy series yet. Like I, I don't think we get it. You know, like we can't go on. So yeah, that's funny. My dad used to say that. That's a that's a that's a joke he used to crack. Like, well, all right, we need to listen to that sermon ten more times until we start actually applying it. <laughs> because yeah, I think when we maybe talk about. Are we experiencing the fullness of our relationship with God? Are we experiencing the wholeness, the completeness of what, of what God has for his dreams for us? Is it one of the main pieces that are missing? Or is that actually the cool. grace of God? Mm. The gift of participation and yeah. fullness and being whole. And the whole idea, like Pastor Allen was bringing up the idea of, of he breaks... Shalom. You, it's all things brought in. Like right. this is grace. And you get to participate in this divine flow of peace mm. in a chaotic culture. What would it be like to, again, I mean, I'm, I just, I don't know if I'm, so often I think about Jesus and how he, how he did it. Because if he is, if he does have the understanding of so so everything and all the people who have come before him, all the people who had been there and all the people that are to come and all the chaos, all the troubles, all the things, mm-hmm. how could he get up in the morning, right? <laughs> like, think about it. Like, I have like yeah. a tiny perspective of the things that are happening like in Afghanistan right now, like it cripples me or the the hurricane right now. And that's all I got, but there's been right. Right. Okay. Right. And you you think of the chaos that Jesus, Mm. if he could experience that in any given point in time, how did he do it? Mm -hmm. And like the idea that he, his, his, Gospel is this kingdom culture of peace mm-hmm. because he's speaking into everything yeah. from the beginning to the now and to the end. And he can take the posture that he's speaking into all of time mm-hmm. and he takes a seat on the hillside. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that still baffles me. Mm-hmm. He yeah. sits down and says, come here. It's going to be all right. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. And that what you said, yeah, of of him seeing us. So you're saying Jesus has seen everything. That ability to see, to be seen. So for us listening to him, 
because we're seen, then we can see. I think that's such a key part of it all. Like you experience it, and then what do you do with this? You complete the chiasm. You you turn around, yeah, yeah, and then you you want others to be seen like you have been seen. It's kind of like through the sermon, he's been exposing the sawdust and the plank. Like... You could pick apart the sermon, and the so whole thing, then yeah, the three by chapters. the end, it comes out, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I can see," and this has value. Mm-hmm. And we go back, and so thinking about culture today, who people are, the fears, the chaos, it's typically because of the the inability to see people. Mm. Um, it's the inability to talk human or be human. Mm-hmm. It's to pretend to be the authority on things that people don't have any business being the authority on. And that causes uh, fear and chaos, anger, and it doesn't help bring the kingdom culture at all. Although there was good intent. You think about the the heresies and Sadducees. Like they, they dedicated everything. Right to protecting the Torah and the temple and God and preserving. And it was kind of like people heard God himself speak and say, there's a big difference Mm -hmm. here. And so this idea, I think that that culture is hungry to be seen and they're they're like hungry to see the city on the hill finally shine because there's been the experts out there who aren't the authorities by any means. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm left reflecting on how can I be this sermon? How can I carry this message, impersonate this heartbeat where I go in my in my community in my circles, you know, Jesus, what opened my eyes to see the opportunities, and I'm thinking a word that has been popping throughout my week this week has been spiritual awareness, and Jesus opened my eyes to see things the way you see them. That's big, yeah. So we can be the salt and be the light, because we're it it. My heart about exploded when you said, you know, we're praying for God to do something. He's praying, you know, would you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> some of us are praying those really passionate prayers and to p- picture him being just as passionate, oh like God. banging his fists on the table. Like he was saying, God, please show up. And then if he's doing KJ, please show up. Like it's like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think I'm I'm just thinking on that. Like, okay, Jesus, how how can I be that today? Not like one day that'll be that'll be great next month. You know, like right now when yeah. we're done filming, what can I? You know and what? Don't you think it's just a perspective thing? It's being uh, it's just like seeing all things. As, I mean, I don't want to say opportunity, mm. but the 
the participation of the gospel. Like, right. how do I bring the fruit of the spirit in and give good food to good people? I mean, that's right. I'm just going to like play off that for a long time. Sure. If the fruit of the spirit is a food, people are just dying to, I mean, like the Dairy Queen person was huge. Like how she bawled just right. because I fought for her that right. she had something that was right. cold. Right. And then I found that about her ex-husband who didn't ever fight for her. Like mm -hmm. I'm giving her ice cream. Right. Yeah. But what an <laughs> impact did that make? Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, this is definitely lots of great things to think about, but not just think. To be to continued doing. Like, <laughs> there's a becoming. And I think, like, that would be... Yeah. That would be the the overarching goal. Is, like, there isn't going to be a sermon that someone hears and says, ah, I've heard it. I'm inspired now. I'm going to... I've, I, I am complete and whole. In mm -hmm. fact, it's you probably don't even have to hear a sermon ever again. It, 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 it's just become. Embrace. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just. Yeah. But I think there's that idea. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to finally hear the thing I've been dying to hear forever. Yeah. But it doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I Sorry, want to... Sorry, that was kind of open-ended. <laughs> no. Because um, one more thing that I want to say to end our time here together is uh, one of the things that we created, but it's, it's just a tool that uh, you can go on our app under Journey and there is an option in the bottom scroll down called Love Your City. Oh, thank you. And there's, there's yeah, a podcast. It. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> So it's called Love Your City. There's a podcast that we're starting that is going to be this, just stories on how we're loving our city and how we are so, being salt so, so and I light. I kind of talked about towards and, the end, like people in our church are are doing things. And yes. So our goal in that podcast had been to kind of like t t talk to those different people, people. and mm -hmm. put it out there. And a huge heartbeat is just simply to inspire mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so like, oh, wow, that's a cool idea. And then it like gives birth to this fire inside. Yeah, and then there are, you know, compassion initiatives. If you need ideas, how do I start? And there's events. So that's, you know, if you're kind of like, I want to do something, but I don't know even where to start. So go to our app under Journey and find Love Your City and share your story too. Maybe this is sparking some thoughts. We would love to connect with you. You can go to our uh, website anytime and... Uh, the messenger there, we're behind there. We'd love to chat with you about this. So, yeah, yeah. that was Thanks. awesome. Thank you for being here and hanging in the, this whole time with the yes. ups and downs. And, if you're here yeah. still, thank you. <laughs> you are awesome. Yes, yeah. you have a great rest of your day. Bye.